Isaiah 45, verse number 5, the Bible says, I am the Lord, and there is none else, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Verse number 12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their host have I commanded. Verse 18, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited I am the Lord, and there is none else. And verse 21, Tell ye, and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times, who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, as I bow before you today, I thank you for the precious Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for the reality of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for what we felt in our hearts already this morning. Lord, I pray you might manifest yourself to us through the Word of God. And be real to us. We're glad you are real. And I pray, O oh God, that you would minister to the need of every heart. Comfort those that are sorrowful. Encourage those that are discouraged, O oh God, and help your people today. Save any who are lost and do that for us that only God can do. Only you can do. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to bring you a message today by the help of the Lord on the thought, Is God for real? And I'm glad God is real. That we don't worship a historical God. We worship a true and living God. It's already been said about the funeral yesterday and how my heart was blessed. And I think there was, you know, God moved on every heart. It was Somewhat unusual in the fact that it was not only a comfort to the family, but I believe a blessing uh, to all in attendance. Uh, probably the, uh, the closest funeral that I remember to that was my own mother's funeral. And God was so real, it was, it was hard to explain the reality of God. It, was, uh, it didn't seem like a funeral service. And then uh, I came home and, and I've been able to acquire a couple of videos uh, by Billy Kelly. And, and we watched that one video and he brought a message on the best is yet to come. Boy, I'll tell you, I was blessed again. Or I preach or not. I'm glad God's real, aren't you? Uh, he, he, he used the scripture in John there uh, where he talked about uh, Jesus turning the water to wine. <laughs> and 
He said, every man sets the best first, and then he waits to give the, the worst to last, but you've saved the best to the last. And uh, I think that's what God's done, you know. And no matter how hard it gets, how dark it may seem, uh, the best is yet to come. And, and God is real. I thank God for the reality of His presence. I know we're not saved by feeling, but it sure does feel good. And uh, God's real. It, you know, it's, it's not just something we read about in the book. Uh, this, uh, the one we read about in this book, uh, uh, you know, can become real to you. And uh, I read a story one time, if I can remember, it told about uh, this, uh, this lady that, uh, that read this book and and uh, really the book didn't mean anything. You know, it was kind of boring to her. But in the meantime, she met the author of the book and, and fell in love with him. And she read the book again. <laughs> and uh, how interesting it was. And, and the meaning changed altogether because she had met the author. And so this Bible may not mean a whole lot to you, but uh, when you know the author, it means everything. And uh, he is real today. God is real. Uh, how do we know that? We know it because creation declares the reality of God. I love the outdoors, uh, always have. I, uh, you know, and springtime is my favorite time of the year because it seems like everything's coming alive. I, I don't know how you could look at the springtime and and not know there's a resurrection, you know. Uh, they buried that little baby yesterday, and I was looking at some of the tombstones, and, and it's in an area of the cemetery where there's just babies buried. And they had little sayings on the stones there. And aren't you glad there's a resurrection? Uh, if God can resurrect a tree, if He can resurrect the flowers, if, if God can perform a miracle right before He arrives every year, uh, certainly He's... Uh, he can take care of the body uh, that's planted in the earth. Uh, if that seed is planted in the earth, and he uses that as illustration in Corinthians there, if that, if that seed is planted in the earth, and out of that the death of that seed bursts forth new life, if God can do that, he can do anything. And he's written, someone said he's written the promise of resurrection. Uh, you know, in, in, in the springtime, in every leaf of springtime, in every flower, is a testimony to the reality of God. God created everything in such a way to reveal Himself. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Go out at night and look up at the stars, and you can know there's a God. Uh, you know, this comet that's been coming through. I don't know where it's still visible or not. Uh, what did they say? That thing had been over 2,000 years since it had come by. You think of the vastness of God's universe and how long that was and, and, and uh, uh, how it's traveled through space all these hundreds of years and, and to come back through, it gives you a little bit of insight into the greatness and the vastness of God's creation. And yet there's a God that's spoken into being. There's a God that sustains it. There's a God that keeps it all in order. This is our God, the God that lives in our heart that did all that. 
the heavens declare the glory of God. Walk out and look up at the sky and see the handiwork of God, uh, His great creation. Psalm 8 verse 3 said, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars which thy hast ordained. David looks at that great universe and looks at the stars and he describes it as the finger work of God. Uh, that all that creation that he brought into being. And in Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them. By the breath of his mouth, again he spoke it into being. A God that is so powerful that that he could speak and things come into being. Now Jesus was that God. No question about that. That Jesus was the creator. Because when he was upon this earth, he was out on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and there arose a storm. And it was such a violent storm that it looked like that they, they were going to be, go down regardless of, of whatever they could do. And uh, they wake Jesus up. He's asleep in the boat. And they wake him up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And the Bible said that he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And they said, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Think of that. That he could speak to a storm. And the storm immediately obey his voice. He could speak to the dead, and they'd come forth from the grave. Uh, he could speak to the sick and the illness would flee. He could speak to the demons and the demons had to obey his word. He was God, very God. And he proved that. And uh, so the creation declares his reality. Colossians 1.17 says, And by him all things consist. And in Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Sometimes I, I hear, get the question, you know, what about the heathen? What about a person that's never heard the gospel? A person that's never heard the name of Jesus Christ? What will happen to that person if they die in their sins? What will happen to them? And the Bible writes that in Romans chapter 1, that man is without excuse. Because God has revealed himself in creation. And I believe if man responds to the light that God gives them, God will give them more light and they can be saved. Creation declares God's real. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that God's real. Aren't you glad God left us a book to go by? I mean, I can look out at the creation and I can know there's a God but this Bible defines that God and introduces me personally to that God and lets me know what God's like and the nature of God and the character of God. And I can, I, I can enter into that personal knowledge of God from the Bible that we don't have to be in darkness. We have the written record that God's given us, a written record describing this great and wonderful God. The Bible said in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Someone said, if you believe that, you won't have any problem with the rest of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We have an author of, uh, we have a creator. We have one who brought it into being. 
John 1, 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word was Jesus Christ, the Creator. Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, uh, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. The Bible is a revelation of God. And uh, we have here in, he, in, in Isaiah 45 introduced over and over, I am the Lord, there is none else, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. And in Isaiah 43, verse 10, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. There is none other, folks. I'll tell you, he is, he is a reality, isn't he? Uh, Mohammed can't give you that. Uh, you know, Confucius can't give it to you. None of the other gods that people worship can be real to you. But I'll tell you, God's real. He is a reality. And the Bible uh, describes for us this God, this miracle-working God, the, 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 the manifestation of God in, in the person of Jesus Christ. John 1, 14 said, The Word was made flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is His only begotten the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was made flesh. That God took a body so that in that body He could reveal Himself to man and make Himself known to man. And those that walk with Him and those that were touched by Him, uh, they knew the reality of His presence. We have in Matthew chapter 9 the story there of the woman that had an issue of blood uh, for, uh, for these years. And the Bible said she had spent all of her living on physicians, but instead of getting better, she got worse. She had been sick for 12 years. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, the crowds were following Jesus, not always for the right reasons, because some followed him. Uh, he says, because you did eat and were filled. Some followed him for the loaves and the fishes. Others followed him uh, for the healing. But this woman had a different purpose. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I would be whole. And I can see that crowd that crowd thronged around, around the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, this little woman, can you imagine, uh, anybody knows if you lose blood, it weakens your body, and, uh, and uh, you don't have the strength to go on. And I can imagine this uh, picture in my mind, this little lady in her weakened condition trying to get through the crowds, and the crowds pushing and shoving everybody, trying to get to see Jesus or being able to touch him. And she pushes through, if I can just reach him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. You know, God made a way for her to get through there. I believe that. And uh, when she touched him, she was made whole, and Jesus stopped and, and said, Who touched me? And uh, the disciples, you know, they said, What kind of question is that? Who touched you? A lot of people are touching you. Oh, but one touched him for a different reason. And the woman came trembling before him. He says, fear not. <laughs> uh, and all of her fear left. When Jesus says, fear not, the fear is gone. And she touched him for a purpose and was wonderfully healed uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, you could never get that little lady to doubt that God was real, could you? And I think of the blind man, you know, that, that was healed there. And Jesus healed this blind man. He talks about it there in the book of John. And uh, 
uh, you know, the, uh, the religious crowd. Of course, they hated Jesus and, uh, because he was disturbing their little playhouse and their religious, uh, uh, you know, set up. And, and uh, the worst thing is because he revealed them for what they really were. And, and uh, they said uh, he, he was a sinner. He was a sinner. They, they tried to get the parents, you know. <clears throat> And the parents were afraid and said, He's of age, asked him. They said, Confess that he's a sinner. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. <laughs> One thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. I don't know anything about all your religious arguments, but I know one thing. I used to be blind. And now my eyes are open. You find that blind man, <laughs> you'd never get him to doubt the fact. <laughs> God was real, and Jesus found him later and introduced himself to him in a different way. And uh, he became a believer and was wonderfully saved as well. And so uh, he performed these great miracles. I think of the, the man, the Maneka Gadara there. And Jesus went to that, uh, to that country, the country of the Gadarenes. And, and I, was, I was reading and studying about... Uh, about the, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad and how they had cattle and they settled on the east uh, uh, side of, of Jordan. And, and uh, it gives you a little idea of, how, of what had happened to, 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 those, to their descendants when Jesus goes to that country. And, uh, and the country of the Gadarenes uh, there. And this, this man met him out of the tombs, went around a raving maniac uh, run around naked and screaming night and day and disturbing the people and they tried to chain him and he would break the chains and, and uh, uh, one day Jesus came to town and uh, this man was possessed with this legion of demons there and, and uh, the Lord rebuked the devils and, and they went off in, in, into uh, a bunch of hogs and the hogs went, run, went down and drowned themselves in the sea. And of course, he shows you the, the situation, the country, and the people were more interested in their hogs than they were uh, what Jesus could do. And then spiritual things. You know, the things haven't changed a whole lot, have they? When in the bottom line, really, you know, most people's more interested in their pocketbook than they are spiritual things. But uh, uh, there you have this, this maniac. Uh, uh, there he asked Jesus to go with him. And he's, he's clothed and sitting to the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. And the Lord said, I don't want you to go with me. I want you to stay here and tell how great things the Lord's done for you. Well, uh, we serve a living God. I could go on and on talking about the great miracles uh, that Jesus performed. And the Bible, the Bible gives us these accounts. And they said, John said that truly many other things did Jesus in the presence of his disciples and not recording this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And so we can know that God is real from the Bible. The Bible... Uh, has an effect on hearts that nothing else. You know, I never cease to be amazed in witnessing the people. You know where the power's at? The power is not in someone's personality, not in someone's education, not in someone's ability uh, to communicate. You know where the power's at? It's in this book. And you'll never be an effective witness for God unless you realize that. 
regardless of what you do when you're witnessing the people, make sure you give them the Word of God, that somehow or another you get the Word of God out there because there's where the power's at. And, you know, sometimes you talk to people and, and it seems like you're not, you're not getting anywhere and you're not accomplishing anything. And then you start giving them the Word of God and you can see it in the countenance. You can see the effect of that Word of God. There's where the power is. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Let me quickly move on. Thirdly, I know God is real not only from creation. I don't only know it from the Word of God, but I know it from personal experience. I know God's real. He's real in my heart. And uh, uh, Jesus lives. You know, the song talks about that. Uh, you ask me how I know He lives. He lives in my heart. You know, the Bible said, the Bible testifies that He came out of the grave. And over 500 saw Him. But the greatest testimony is, is the fact that He lives in you. The personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. When God saved me as a 10-year-old boy, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in, in church, had heard about Jesus Christ, and, uh, and I knew about I don't ever remember a time when I didn't believe in God. Uh, I don't ever remember a time when I was an atheist or even an agnostic. An agnostic says there may be a God, but you can't know where there is or where there isn't. I don't ever remember being an agnostic, don't ever remember being an atheist, but, uh, but I, I hadn't always been saved. And Mac Hodge was preaching a revival. Silver Chapel Baptist Church up in Mitchell County. And they were building a new church and just had the basement ready and were meeting and having a revival in the basement. And Mac Hodge preached and I got on a conviction. And I'd go home at night and I was afraid to go to sleep. Afraid I might die in my sleep and I'd be in hell. I don't know, I had it in my mind somehow or another I guess that well, if I'm awake and I feel like I'm going to die and whatever that's like, but, you know, maybe I can, I can get saved right quick before I die. And uh, uh, there was that fear. And I'd try to st stay awake, but then after a while you go off to sleep. And I remember the night God saved me. And uh, Brother Ted, do you know where you ever remember Frank Parsons or not? you remember him? He used to go around all the revivals. And I was with my mom and dad. And uh, I, if I remember right, there were, there were three rows of pews there and there was a couple of aisles. And, and uh, uh, anybody knew him, when the invitation was given, boy, he'd go, he'd go back and try to get people to get saved. Whatever you believe about that, he, uh, you know, I think he, he was able to lead a lot of people to the Lord. And I tell you, I wanted to be saved so bad. Come up whatever he said. He didn't have to persuade me too much. I went down and God wonderfully and gloriously saved me. I went home that night. I don't remember all the details, but I remember this. I went home that night. I was talking, singing about that piece in the opening this morning. And I'll tell you, all the fear was gone. Lord, it don't matter if I live or die. <laughs> I'm ready, I'm saved. I'll tell you, there's nothing in all the world more wonderful than that. To be saved and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that God's forgiven you, that Jesus is real to you. He lives in your heart. I haven't always 
pleased him and haven't always obeyed him. But I'll tell you, God's loved me through it all. And he saved me, gave me that wonderful peace. I know he's real because he was real then and he's real now. You know, some people's dependent on something that happened 20 or 30 years ago and there's no reality of God this morning. Listen, I know he's real then because he's real now. The same God that was real to me then is real to me now. I know God's real because of personal experience. And uh, not only the experience of salvation, but the other, the, how many times down through the years, God's made himself known to me and revealed himself in a very wonderful way. And, uh, and I felt his presence and experienced him in such a reality. I came to study last night. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Lord came in the room and sat down with me. I'd rather have that than have the world. I'd rather know the reality of his presence than have all the world. To have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ when you can get alone, just be yourself, and get in a room, be yourself, and the Lord Jesus come in and sup with you and talk with you and, and become real to you. That, do you know him in a reality? Is he real? I know God's real because of personal experience. And then I know God's real because of the, the salvation and testimony of others. Not only do I know it because of person, personal reasons, he's real to me personally, but I know he's real to you. <laughs> By your own testimony, the lives that I've seen change down through the years, I could stand here today and give you testimonies of drunkards and wicked men and women that have been lifted from the depths of sin, from the gutters of despair, and God has reached down in his grace and lifted them out of that condition and saved them and changed them. The psalmist says, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise and our God. And that's the need of this, this sinful world, you know. Uh, you know, they're, they're talking about this, uh, this uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ellen or something like that. Uh, her last name is Degenerous. I thought, what a fitting name. Degenerate. And they're talking, of, you, know, you know what she needs? She just needs the grace of God. You know, we, we think about that and we condemn that sin and we rightly so. But you know, God's able to save her just like he saved you and me. And uh, he's able to give her a peace and a joy and something that the world can't offer her. Uh, but uh, the salvation and testimony of others make me know that God is for real. I remember a man was saved years ago down in Maiden, and he was one of the county drunks. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't never seen him. He walked in our church, and I was uh, pastoring and working a full-time job at the time. And I told a man who knew him, you know, uh, that I work with who knew him, uh, I said, uh, 
so-and-so got saved yesterday, him and his wife. He said, I don't believe it. He said, that man never changed. I said, well, we'll see. But I tell you, he did change. He went home, poured his liquor out, and uh, got, rid of, got rid of all that and, and was wonderfully and marvelously saved by the grace of God. They're both dead now, both in heaven. And uh, I remember another man, Sidney Oliver, Carolyn's brother worked with him. And uh, Mr. Oliver, he, uh, he got cancer. He was a huge man. He was retired from the military, a wicked man. He, uh, you know, had homebrew, and he, he made it in his house. And, and uh, that kind of lifestyle. And, and uh, he asked, uh, Carolyn's brother asked if I'd go see him in the hospital. So I went and visited with him and, he had the surgery. You know what he told me after he got back from surgery? He said, I bet my doctor, I believe it was a case of beer or whatever, uh, he said that I'd come through this and now he's going to have to pay up. Well, I kept visiting with him and talking to him. And uh, uh, I witnessed to him, invited him to church. And witnessed when he got to go home and I talked to him, visited him there. He said, Preacher, he said, I'm going to come to your church one time. He said, if I don't like it, you leave me alone. I said, okay. And so one Sunday he came, him and his wife. And we had the service and I preached. And down the aisle, Sidney Oliver come. Gloriously, wonderfully saved. I've heard him testify. He'd stand up in church and he'd say, you know, the best thing ever happened to me is when I got cancer and lost my lung. He said, if I'd had to happen to, I'd have probably went to hell. No doubt I'd never been saved. They just gave him a few months to live. He lived about a year and a half, I think, and went on to heaven. You explain that to me. If there's no God... How do you explain that? How do you explain lives that are changed and transformed by the grace of God if there is no God? I'm glad God is real. I've seen him manifest himself over and over and over again. He's still on the throne. He's still in business. God is real. The book of Acts says he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. In him we live and move and have our being. They're a wonderful, wonderful God. Let's bow our heads, please.